Well, good morning, church. Thank you for that, Ron. You know, when I say that, when I say good morning, church, I'm not talking to this building, am I? I mean, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I'm talking to you because you are the church. You know, we often forget that. I mean, we acknowledge that. You know when I say good morning, church, that I'm talking to you. But a lot of times we don't live like we are the church. We live as if the church is a destination instead of a journey. In contemporary Christian culture, church has kind of become a place that you go instead of a people that you are. It's interesting, and I don't know if you knew this or not, for the first 300 years of the church, from when Peter preached that sermon at Pentecost, that very first sermon after Jesus' ascension to the right hand of the Father, 3,000 people surrender their lives to Jesus that day, and the church is born. For 300 years from that day, there were no church buildings. Did you know that? The church had no permanent address. They met from house to house and wherever they could gather. And it's interesting, as we look at church history, that just happens to be the greatest period of church growth in history when there were no church buildings. You know, likely that's because people didn't go to church, the church went with them. Today we're going to continue our delving into doctrine series. We've got uh, this week and then next week, and we'll have closed out these ten core doctrines of the Christian faith uh, that we've been walking through uh, this summer in this series that we've entitled Believe. And today we're going to talk about what we believe about church. Because a lot of times what we say we believe about church and the way we act are two different things. Let me ask you something. If you had 10 seconds right now to define church, you're in an elevator, man, you got 10 seconds and you got to define church. How would you do that? Think about it. How would you define church? Is it a place you go? Or is it a people you are? Because those are two fundamentally different ways of viewing the church. One is biblical. One is not. One creates kingdom contributors. The other creates spiritual consumers. One rises from the character and the teaching of Jesus, the other from the current of culture. How do you define church? What is the church to you? Is it a place you go? 800 Hembry Road? Or is it a people, a person? You are. What you believe about the church 
matters. In my experience, it is a key indicator of the health and vitality of your faith, what you believe about the church. Many of you have heard my testimony uh, over the years. Uh, I grew up the youngest of of three boys uh, in my family by six years. Um, Everybody but God calls that an accident, okay? By the time I came along, my parents, uh, who took my, my two older brothers to church when they were younger, but by the time I had come along, they had... Uh, abandoned the church uh, because of some bad experiences. Anybody have any experience with that kind of thing? Or your parents or somebody that you know? Well, by the time I came along, our family was no longer uh, in church. Uh, and, they, and they had some legitimately bad experiences I, I found out later in my life after I became a Christian and, and a pastor. And so my dad viewed the church as a, a house of hypocrites which is the view of a lot of folks uh, out there. He, he viewed the church as, as a bunch of people who said one thing on Sunday and did something else the rest of the week. And it just so happened that my mom and dad's lives were significantly impacted by what some of those people did the rest of the week. And so, understandably so, as far as that church is concerned... They left it behind because my dad had very little patience for that kind of thing. And really, we all should. He had given the church a shot. He got burned, and he wasn't going to put his hand back on that stove again. A lot of people have had um, that experience. And a lot of of you, if you haven't had that experience, you know somebody who has. We've had so many people come our way uh, over the last 15 years here at Tapestry who uh, have been told that this is a safe place to grow in grace and they show up having been burned or hurt in other places and it has become a place to heal uh, through the years for a lot of folks in that same situation. So I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I I knew nothing. Church was a seriously a foreign, foreign place to me my entire life, through my teens into my 20s. Very uncomfortable if I had to go to a funeral or if I had to, you know, uh, got drugged there on Easter or or something of that nature. It was just a bizarre place to me. I, I didn't understand it where I was. It was traditional. I didn't know the hymns. I didn't, I had never opened a Bible before I was 26 years old. So it was just completely foreign to me. But as mom and dad sort of abandoned the church, if you will, uh, along with that bathwater, unfortunately, the baby got thrown out, which happens quite often. And so we never, we, I grew up in a moral home. Many of you um, uh, knew mom uh, for years uh, here. I grew up in a very moral home. Mom had grown up in a very Christian uh, environment. But because of that experience um, and not going to church any longer, well, we just never talked about Jesus in our home. I mean, we had this rote prayer, you know, at dinner every night, and that was it. I never heard the gospel uh, in my home um, that I can remember growing up. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know about my human condition, if you will. 
I had no moral compass as a teen. I just did whatever I saw everybody else doing and tried to do more of it. I thought that was the goal. That didn't work well. I had no plumb line for truth. I'd never opened the Bible, never been to Sunday school, never been to VBS, nothing like that. Uh, I did whatever I thought was right in my own eyes. And then at 26 years old, Kim encouraged me to give church a try. Her, her early church experience had been kind of similar from a legalistic standpoint to where when she got out of her home, she didn't really necessarily want to go back to that kind of an environment. So she ran off with a crazy guy called me. And, uh, and then some years later, um, after we were married, um, she was being drawn back to church. And so at 26 years old, Kim encouraged me to give church a try again. She had been going for some time. We lived here in Roswell. This is a long time ago. Um, and one morning, I, I, God literally woke me up. I didn't know it at the time, but I woke up, and after telling her I didn't really want to go for for weeks and maybe even months, I uh, got up, went to church um, in Roswell High School in the cafetorium at that time. It was a little church plant uh, up there, and that's where Kim had uh, met some folks, got connected, uh, went into this church plant in in. Roswell High School, heard the kind of music that we're playing here today, kind of connected with it, um, heard the gospel uh, clearly that day for the first time that I really had ears to hear it, that I ever remember hearing it and understanding it. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt, it was like the first time I had ever really gone to church. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that day that I needed to be forgiven that my problem was my sin. And that pastor shared the solution, which is Jesus. And that very day, I gave my life to Christ. And from that point on, 26 years old, until today, man, everything changed. Everything changed. I literally had one of those, and they're rare. They're rare, so... You know, if your testimony is different, don't, don't compare testimonies. That's never a good idea. I literally had a Paul on the Damascus Road kind of a conversion. I mean, it, it was stunning. Uh, not just to me, but to, to everybody around me. Um, you know, the new man, literally, immediately. And for the past 27 years, that was 27 years ago, sweet. Goodness gracious. Um, Jesus and his church... Hear me. Jesus and his church have been a package deal for me. I mean, I figured out immediately you can't have one without the other. A lot of people will dispute that or a lot of people will try to redefine what church is to justify how they do church or justify their separation from the church. But I'm here to tell you, if you read the Scripture, you cannot read it any other way if you're actually following what the Scripture says without understanding that Jesus and the church are a package deal. You cannot have one without the other. When we come to Christ, we become, the Bible says, 
part of the body of Christ, which we just sang about. And the body of Christ is the what? Church. The two are inseparable. Let let me pull out here for just a second, you know, fast forward from when I was a kid to to, to our experience here at Tapshire. Man, I am so thankful that my mother... to experience a healthy church. Thirteen years. And it changed her life here. And to a great degree, that's because of you. the way that so many of you loved her, opened your arms to her, opened your heart to her, made her feel valued, cared for, had a margarita at lunch with. She could have never done that in the church she used to go to. And you know who you are. so thankful that mom got to see what the church is supposed to be before she died. Dad really never had that opportunity. He gave his life to Christ um, late in life, about six years before he passed away. But they were still in North Carolina at that time and never got really plugged into a church. But mom got to see it. She got to see the beauty of what the church is. Not perfection, not perfect people but people who loved one another and walked beside each other and wanted to live the lives that Christ called them to live. So I'm so thankful for that. But I tell you, over the years, I've seen so many people walk away from the church. Not not just our church. Not It hadn't been that sort of pervasive uh, at Tapestry. But, but over the years, I've seen so many people walk away from their church because of hurt and hypocrisy, just like my folks did. But I have yet to see a believer better off in the long run apart from church. Do you hear me? And I've tracked some of them for 20 years now. I have yet to see a believer who is better off apart from the church. I've seen some who think they are. God created us to be part of the body of Christ. He designed it purposefully. Whether we understand it fully, whether we like it completely, it's His plan and it's what He calls us to do and it's what He calls us to be. Now, there's nothing wrong with walking away from an unhealthy church. I encourage that. Man, get out of there. If, if they're not preaching the Scripture, if they're not 
helping you rest in the grace of God and challenging you to be the hands and feet of Jesus, man, find somewhere else to go. But find somewhere else to go. If there's something about this church that, you know, you walk out every time, you go, I don't know, man, that preacher. Find a church you love. Find a church you can, you can rest in, that you can, you can worship in. But don't walk away from the church. We were never meant to do this thing alone. We just sang about that. God knows we're better together, whether we believe it or not. He knows we're better growing in the likeness of Christ, which means learning to forgive one another. It's not easy. And a lot of people step away from that. Learning to be patient with each other. It's not easy. And a lot of people don't want to stay in that game. Learning to love. Learning to be loved. In spite of our flaws. In spite of our sins. Learning to extend grace to one another in the same way that Jesus extended it to us. None of that happens in isolation. We don't grow alone. We grow together. As difficult as it may be sometimes. The church is not a perfect place filled with perfect people. How many of you figured that out? It took me about a day. But you know, that whole misperception, you hear, you know, people... They don't say it, but they act like it. You know, a lot of times when they walk away from the church or what have you, that they have this expectation, or they had this expectation, that the people there should be perfect. And when the people weren't perfect, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. That misperception is mystifying to me. Because the primary, hear me, the primary prerequisite to be part of the church is imperfection. You can't be part of this thing unless you acknowledge you're not perfect. Unless you confess your sin. Unless you receive the forgiveness Christ offers and you repent and you turn away from that sin and walk with Him and consistently confess that you're imperfect until we're face to face with Him. Where do you need to remember that this morning? Where do you need to extend grace to somebody in your life? The church is not a perfect place, but it is a perfect place to grow in grace. And that's God's intent for us. And I've seen the good, I've seen the bad, I've seen the ugly in the church over the last 27 years. I told Kim not too long ago, you know, baby, nothing surprises me anymore. Don't ever say that. (laughs) Just telling you. And I've had days I couldn't live without the church. I mean, to tell you. That, that, that I couldn't live, that we couldn't live as a family without the church. And I've had days I didn't think I could live with the church. 
The church is a laboratory for life change. That's what we're doing here for all of us. That's the way God designed it. It's interesting, in the, in the Scripture, in the New Testament, uh, the, the, the word church appears 77 times in the New Testament. Beginning in Matthew 16, when Jesus, if you'll remember, uh, changes Simon's name to Peter, the rock. That's the first time we see this word church appear in the Scripture. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, And I tell you that you are Peter, the rock. And on this rock I will build whose church? My church, Jesus said. It's his church. It's not my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. At Pentecost, Peter would go on to preach that first sermon and 3,000 people would give their lives to Christ that day. The church would be born and for the last 2,000 years, 2,000 years through persecution, through opposition, through our own apathy, Jesus' words have proved to be true. I love the way Billy Graham put it. He said, Of all the many groups into which humans have collected themselves, of all the many tribes, clans, organizations, and societies throughout history, none have been so powerful, so far-reaching, so universal as the church. I've also heard it said the church has got to be God has got to be sovereign over the church because of the poor way that it's run and managed and it's made it this long, which I hope that we're not an illustration of that. But the church is a living testimony to the sovereignty of God and the authority of Jesus' words. The Greek word translated church is the word ekklesia. It's where we get the word, the, 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 the term ecclesiology which is the study of the church. Ecclesia. Ecclesia literally means those who are called out together. That's what it means in the Greek. And it was a word originally used for the gathering of citizens who were called to come together and assemble publicly. And so the very essence and the origin of the word church is not a place, but a people. A fellowship of the forgiven, called out of this world and into this journey with Christ together. So theologically, the church is not a place, but a people. We are the church. It's you and I and every other believer who has by faith acknowledged their imperfection and receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Paul uses the body metaphor, if you're familiar with that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to describe the church, stating that every believer is part of the body. You're, you're a finger, you're a toe, you're an ear, you're an eye. We all have a unique and special purpose in the body of Christ so that this body will live and demonstrate the life of Christ to the world around us. Paul put it this way. He said, now you are the body of Christ, the church. And each one of you is part of it. I have never been able to get away from that passage of Scripture. 
That is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. I am the church. You are the church. And when people come into my office and they and moan about this, that, or the other thing, and I don't really see a whole lot of validity in it, you know what I tell them? Be the church you want to see. Be the church you want to see. If we would all be the church we want to see, man, that's exactly where we need to be. The church is not a place, but a people. In other words, God's church doesn't have a permanent address. And so when we leave this place today, we don't leave the church. We take the church with us. And that's how those first century believers turned the world upside down. The gospel, the grace and the goodness of God traveled with them everywhere they went. They didn't close the doors at noon and leave it behind. Let me ask you that, something. Is that the way you operate? Seriously. We're in such a consumer culture today. We checked the box. Man, we did that hour. We went to church. Is the church over at noon for you? And when we do that, we're operating, whether we realize it or not, as if church is a place and not a people, not a person. We're compartmentalizing our faith instead of weaving it into the fabric of our own lives and the community around us. Take the church with you. Be the church everywhere you go. You want to see this culture transformed? You want to see this community transformed? You want to see people coming to Christ? Take the church with you. Be the church everywhere you go. You go. Paul put it this way. He said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're His representatives. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you view yourself as an ambassador for Christ? His representative everywhere you go? church is not a place, but a people. And it is God's plan to accomplish His purpose. It's a big deal. God's purpose is to reconcile humanity to Himself. That's His redemptive plan in Christ, is to bring us, because He loves us beyond our our imagination, back into fellowship with Him. That's why He sent His Son to die on a cross for the forgiveness and the payment of our sin. Ephesians 3.10, Paul put it this way, his intent, God's intent, was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God... Who's the church? It's God's intent that through us, the manifold wisdom of God be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We talked about that the last two weeks. Satan and his minions through us and the way that we engage with the world. Why? 
to accomplish His eternal purpose in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is God's plan to accomplish His purpose. You and I are God's plan to accomplish His purpose. I think He's got a lot more confidence in us than we do. We're to be living demonstrations of the wisdom and the character of God. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus with skin on for all the world to see. What does that look like each day? What does that look like when we leave this place? I I love the way Henry Nouwen put it. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic, contemplative, deep, deep dude. Love his, his writings. But what does it look like to be the church when we leave this place? He asks these questions. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to somebody's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and my resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? So these are the real questions. The questions that we as the church need to be asking ourselves at the end of each day. Being mindful everywhere we go, every encounter we have, that God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to be carriers of Christ to those around us. My challenge to you this morning, and then I close, is this. Be the church. Don't just come to church. Be the church. When you leave here today, take the church with you. Weave Christ into the fabric of this community, into your, into your neighborhood, into your job, into your family, everywhere you go, and just watch what God will do with that. If each of us, as tapestry is not just one church at 800 Hembry Road, and tapestry is 200 temples wandering around the community and taking Christ with us everywhere we go. Tapestry doesn't reside at this address. It goes where you go. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for the privilege of being Your church. Lord, we, or at least I, marvel sometimes at how much confidence you have in us to accomplish the purpose that you have set out in Christ Jesus. Lord, let us be those who represent you well. Let us, Father, not just close the doors at noon today with our backs to them and get back into our real lives but let us be those who take Christ with us, be carriers of Jesus everywhere we go. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship of the redeemed. We thank you for the fellowship of the forgiven. We thank you for the love and the grace and the mercy that we received in Christ and that we see reflected here. Help us be those who extend grace to our brothers and sisters in Christ give the church a good name. In Jesus' name we pray.